Charlatan hissed as he moved along the ground, angry at the curse God had given him long ago. Just wait until your precious humans are no more. I'll start with him. He's the main one I wanted to kill anyway. He made his way toward his next victim. Shem was only 100 yards away. This would be all too easy. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear the final chapters from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. It's our special one-hour finale, so get some popcorn or hot chocolate if you prefer, and settle back for an epic episode of The Epic Order. And as always, it's my privilege to introduce your hosts. First, everyone's favorite Scotty dog. Uh, lad? Maximilian Braveheart the uh, Bruce. Well, thanks, announcer lad, but I'm afraid that... And his favorite feline. Uh, no, uh, uh, not, uh, uh, not, not today, lad. It's just me, Max. Oh, so Liz is still pretty shook up, huh? Aye, cats be like that, you know. Well, I mean, she had a pretty traumatic day in our last episode. Aye, if you were here last time, you might recall it were a disturbing chapter for my co-host Liz. And, well, she's still not ready to talk much, you know. Yeah, that's right. To jog your memory, when we last left Liz in our story, she had come face to face with Max's friend, Charlie the Snake. Only he weren't Charlie anymore. He were charlatan, the evil imposter. And he weren't no friend of mine. No, and last time, Liz courageously confronted that evil snake charlatan, who clearly stated his mission, to finish what he started, to destroy the rest of the humans that remained on Earth, Noah and his family. Yeah, and then, while I was still searching for Liz amongst all them animals trying to leave the ark, he just... I, 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 got it, I got it, Max. I got it. Yeah. We'll pick up where we left off in chapter 63, and then we'll move directly through the last three chapters of the book without interruption, as we take you back to where we left our story previously, with Charlatan's last move on Liz. I have a job to finish, said Charlatan, threateningly. Liz felt the evil pouring out of this beast inching closer to her. The snake moved in as Liz became immobilized by fear on the rock. He reared back his head and struck. Crinan and Bethu drifted on wind currents as they noticed a commotion on the rock ledge below. It was Liz. They were glad to see her, but wait, something was wrong. The large snake was slithering away and Liz lay there on the rock. The two gulls landed next to her. What happened, Liz? Are you all right? Asked Crinan as Bethu looked over her small form. Liz struggled to breathe. You, you've got to stop him. Tell Max to get to them. Oh, Crinan, she's been bitten by the snake. She's delirious. Hurry, get Al. I'll stay with her. No go, said Bethu to Crinan. Crinan took off in flight, flapping his wings as hard as he could. He had to get to Al. He felt helpless and overwhelmed. How was this happening? Even if he reached Al, there was a sea of creatures on the ground to cross in order to reach Liz. It looked hopeless. Bethu sat next to Liz, putting her head down to hear the erratic heartbeat of this gentle, loving creature. Liz was violently shaking. Bethu felt tears burning her eyes as she whispered, Oh, please, Maker, help Liz and help Krynan to reach Al before it's too late. Max was almost to the rock ledge where he'd seen Liz. His side hurt from running so hard after being confined to the ark for a year, and he had never run faster in his life. He saw Krynan flying above him and wondered where Bethu might be. How had things become so chaotic? No one was where they were supposed to be, especially him. Here he was, 
running to help Liz, but his heart was in anguish of not knowing if the humans were in harm's way from the wolves. Not to mention that he had left Kate and Al alone. Where were they in all this? Max saw a trail leading up behind the rock and ran around the back. He was too close to actually see Liz or Charlatan up above him now. He bounded up the slope and reached the top of the rock, already growling at Charlatan, Stay away from me, friend! But Charlatan was no longer there. Bethu leaned over Liz, eyes brimming as she turned to look at Max. Max ran over to Liz's side. She was shivering and struggling to breathe. He was too late. Charlatan had struck his dear friend. Max! cried Bethu. It was the snake! With that, Liz's eyes opened and she looked at Max, who was now leaning over her, his heart breaking. Max, Liz said weakly, you've got to... Her voice trailed off. Oh, Liz, I'm so sorry. This is all my fault. I didn't believe you, and I turned me back on you. You were right. You were right. I wish it were me laying here. I should have been the one. I was supposed to protect you, and I failed. Max cried out in anguish. Liz gathered all the remaining strength that she had so she could speak to Max. All forgiven, mon ami. You are still and ever will be, my dear friend. You are here now. That's all I need to see, to know. Now, go. He's headed to the humans. No time. Go, said Liz with a barely audible voice. Liz closed her eyes and took one deep gasp of air. Then, nothing. She was gone. Max laid his head on her small body and wept bitterly. Chapter 64 The Next Target The animals had been exiting the ark for hours now. Shem waved up to Japheth to see if they were nearing the end of the long line of creatures. The three decks, which extended 450 feet, held tons of animals. Shem remembered the days when the animals had boarded the ark. That had taken forever. At least the exodus was going faster. The animals were backlogged down below at ground level. Ham and May Beer were sorting out the farm animals and the birds, but they had to figure out a way to get the other animals down the mountain. The animals just didn't want to leave the area. Japheth signaled to Shem that the exit line was almost complete. Shem was glad. If he and his family felt so free, he could only imagine how these creatures must feel after being in those stalls for a year. Shem scanned the scene below, looking at the vast number of animals that had journeyed with his family on the ark. How had this even been possible? Only the one true God could have pulled this off. He shook his head in wonder and joy, thanking God for the hundredth time for their safe delivery to dry land. Shem told Noah that he was going to walk down the mountain and try to herd the animals forward. He shouted to Ham and Mabir where he was going. Shem's wife, Nala, was with them, and she waved and smiled as he blew her a kiss. He had not seen her because she was crouched down behind a group of animals. It appeared she was tending to a wolf. Maybe the animal was injured in the mad rush off the ark. Ham and Maybeer waved to Shem as they continued to work with the animals they had charge of. Shem noticed the small reed lying on the ground by the exit ramp of the ark. He picked it up and twirled it in the air as he began walking through the animals, prodding them gently along. Krynan reached Al and Kate, and immediately Kate knew something was wrong. Krynan, where is Bethu? Something is wrong. I can feel it. Where is Max? asked Kate. 
Crinan's head hung low as he landed in front of them. Al jumped off Peter and asked the gull, Where's me, Liz? Crinan looked up and into Al's eyes and said, This been a tragedy. Al, Liz has been wounded. Bethu is with her, no. He turned to Kate. No sign of Max, lass. And to Peter and Pearl, Carry Al and Kate on your backs as fast as you can. Follow me. There's no time to lose. Al looked at Kate, despair filling their eyes as they jumped on the backs of the polar bears who took off bounding through the crowd of animals. Al felt his world falling apart. Never had he been so afraid. Kate felt sick to her stomach. Liz was wounded? Where was Max when this happened? Where is he now? She dreaded the answers to her questions. Peter and Pearl looked at each other, saying nothing but saying everything with their eyes of concern. Crinan led the way, uncertain as to what they would find when they reached Liz and Bethu. Max was shaking. He had failed. Liz was dead, and it was his fault. He was overcome with grief, but something made him lift his gaze. His mind was writhing in anguish and confusion. He looked to see Bethu sobbing as she, too, grieved for Liz. Anger burned inside Max. He had allowed himself to be deceived by the evil one, this same one Gilliman had warned him about. How could he have been so blind? Now he knew how deceptive evil really was. It was masked with niceties and half-truths. It was a fraud. It was an imposter. It was charlatan. I've got to stop him before he strikes again, Max yelled as he jumped up and turned to Bethu. Stay with her until I can bring Al back, said Max. His heart sank anew as he realized that the loss of Liz would devastate Al. And when Al found out it was Max's fault, the pain would be doubled. Max ignored the trail behind the rock, taking a bold jump off the front of the rock, picking up the scent of the snake. This time he won't deceive me. On me life he won't, growled Max to himself as he bolted across the area below. Shem was enjoying the walk among the animals. They seemed to enjoy walking with him also. Shem was kind and had been good to them. The animals knew how hard Shem had worked to keep them fed and their stalls clean. His work never ceased, yet he didn't allow his fatigue to keep him from caring for them. They commented to each other as Shem walked by. Look, there's that human that brought us that fresh hay, remarked Lazo the llama. Ace, he kept that stall clean and dry, answered Boomer, the kangaroo. But all that Shem heard were snorts and funny whinnies. He grinned and thought to himself, Oh, if only animals could talk. The animals parted for Shem as he walked behind them, saying, Move along now. That's it. Come right along. There's nothing to fear here. You're on dry land now. God has seen fit to provide for you. Don't be afraid to go down the mountain. Shem looked back behind him at the exodus of animals following along. He wondered if Adam had felt the same sense of awe that he now felt about God's vast creation. Charlatan hissed as he moved along the ground, angry at the curse God had given him long ago, that very day in the garden. Snakes would have to slither on their bellies for the rest of existence because of the betrayal of humans. It not only was degrading, but it made him slow. Just wait until your precious humans are no more, Charlatan hissed under his breath. The animals ahead were fearful of the sound they heard and moved out of the way. Oh, how nice. I'll start with him. He's the main one I wanted to kill anyway. His seed will never be able to crush my head, said Charlatan. He made his way toward his next victim, 
Shem was only 100 yards away. This would be all too easy. Chapter 65 The Sacrifice Max was shouting as he ran through the crowd, Move under the wee! No! The animals gladly obliged. After all, it was Max, the bravest hero on the ark. The protector, the fierce guardian, the provider of the way across the sea. Yes, Max was coming. They passed the word to get out of his way. Max couldn't think too hard about the horrific things that had happened. If he did, he most certainly would fail at his one chance to do the most important thing he had ever been called to do. Max felt ashamed. How could he possibly be used for something important now after he had failed with such disastrous results? The noise all around Max seemed to fade away as he heard the words of his old friend Gilliman echo strongly in his mind. You have been chosen, Max. I believe you are being called because of your character. The voice knows you are brave. The voice knows you are trustworthy and that your heart is good. The voice has something important for you to do. Could it be that the Maker would still use him? He had used Max to help get the animals to the Ark. Max had thought that was the most important thing. Was there something even more important? Did the Maker still think he was brave, trustworthy, and good? Max held on to the gentle voice of Gilliman still ringing in his mind, hoping beyond all hope that indeed the Maker could use such a failure as himself to accomplish something good. Crinan looked below to see if Peter and Pearl were still keeping up. They were almost to the rock where he had left Liz and Bethu. The polar bears were blazing through the ground below, Kate and Al holding firmly onto their faithful carriers. Crinan circled above to let them know they were close. He directed them to the trail leading up behind the rock. Peter and Pearl ran up the trail. Al didn't wait to reach the top before jumping off Peter and running over to Liz. Kate and Bethu shared a look of pain while Al put his arms around Liz, wailing and crying with the realization that his love was gone. Charlatan slowed his pace. It wouldn't be long now, and he didn't want to alarm Shem. He wanted to savor the anticipation of the man's death. Max felt an urgency to pick up his already hurried pace. He pushed his small body to the limits of his speed and kept his eye on the horizon. At least his enemy was low to the ground. He would have no trouble seeing him. The scent of the snake grew stronger. Max was closing in. Charlatan lifted his body off the ground, rising up to striking position. His head grew as he arched his back and hissed. Shem turned around to see the snake swaying back and forth, poised and ready to strike. Max came running and jumped on Charlatan, bringing him to the ground with a thud. Shem and all the animals were startled and moved back. Charlatan shook his head and raised himself back up in defiance to Max. He hissed and gave an evil smile. Why, Max, my dear friend, however are you? I'm so pleased to see you. Save it, ye imposter. I know who ye are. Ye deceived me all this time, and I fell for it. I were a fool. But I know better now. You're not going to hurt anyone else here, growled Max. The animals were in shock at what they were hearing and moved back even further as they murmured to themselves. Shem stood there watching this small dog barking at the very large snake that had been ready to strike. Heard anyone? Oh, yes, Liz. I take it you've seen her. Poor you. She had to go, you know. She knew too much. And she was right about me. 
Obviously, she got through to you after all. Otherwise, you'd be back up with your other hero-worshipping friends leading the celebration of coming off the Ark. Max, the great hero whom all the animals admire. And I could be taking care of business here. As it is, though, now you're in the way. What should I do about you, Max? Hissed Charlatan. Max was awash in a sea of fear. No fear of water or thunder could compare to the fear of facing pure evil. This evil was indeed the mightiest beast he had ever faced. He struggled to keep his composure, but he was visibly shaking. What? Don't tell me you're afraid, Max. How could that be? Why, you're Maximilian Braveheart the Bruce. Oh, I guess after neglecting to save your feline friend, there's not much brave left about you, is there? Accused Charlatan. The snake began to hiss a deep laugh, tearing Max to emotional shreds. <laughs> Go ahead and tremble in fear of me. Watch there silently as I finish what I came to do. I'm not about to let these eight humans start this human race all over again. And this one, Shem, I especially despise. The prophecy was wrong to say that one would come from Adam who would crush my head. Ha! Watch and cower in fear, little dog, as I destroy the seed of the one by killing this son of Adam. Charlatan was foaming at the mouth as he maniacally ranted, but his raving didn't make Max more afraid. The mere mention of Liz's death by this cruel killer brought Max back to his defensive posture. And the threat of wiping out the humans put Max back on his feet. He now understood what the Maker had called him to do. This was the important thing. All the wisdom of Gilliman and the strength of the Maker came pouring into Max's being. There's more brave in me than you could ever hope to have, you repulsive beast. The Maker is the one who makes me brave, and only a coward hides behind a mask, taunted Max back at Charlatan as he growled and dove toward the snake. Max grabbed him by the tail and tossed him into the air. The snake went flying, but landed unhurt and turned quickly to strike back at Max. Shem continued to watch this spectacle, wondering if he should intervene or not. He held his ground, gripping the reed tightly in his hand. As the snake hit the ground, Max grabbed its back with his strong jaws, shaking it back and forth. He dealt the snake a devastating bite, but the sheer size of the snake was too much for Max to handle alone. He wasn't prepared when the snake's head came swinging around, mouth open wide and fangs out. The snake pierced Max's back leg and filled him with toxic venom. Max felt the agonizing pain and released the snake from his jaws as he fell to the ground. The animals were gasping and yelling to Max, Get up! Get up! It was no use. Max had sustained a deadly blow. He lay writhing in pain and looked up to see Shem holding his reed. His reed? That was it! Max used his remaining strength and yelled to Shem, Use the reed! Strike the snake! Do it now! Shem watched this little dog frantically barking at him. Was this animal trying to communicate? He had clearly been fighting with the snake. No, not just fighting. This dog was protecting him, 
This dog had put his life on the line for him, and the snake had struck this brave little dog in return. Shem felt the sturdy reed in his hand and held it up. The snake was up off the ground, towering over the little dog with a stiff neck and hissing tongue. Shem raised his arm holding the reed and came down hard, striking the snake in the back of the head. Charlatan had been so busy gloating over the demise of Max that he didn't see the blow coming. He went crashing to the ground. Shem brought the reed up again for another blow to his head. Blood came out of the snake's eye, and he began to hiss even louder. Shem screamed at the snake, "'How dare you harm this dog! You're repulsive and wicked! I will crush you for what you've done to my small friend!' Charlatan gathered up his defensive posture as best he could, knowing he was weakening from the blows to his head. He could only see out of one eye. "'You will never defeat me!' Charlatan hissed as Shem brought one more blow across his head, sending him flying across the ground. Shem walked over and placed his heel on the head of the snake, who was twitching, dust clinging to the blood that covered him. He took Max's reed and lifted up the wriggling body of this wicked beast, causing Charlatan to scream as the power of the reed burned into his evil skin. Shem looked out across the mountains and walked over to the edge of the cliff face. He hurled the snake into the air off the side of the mountain. The animals heard the snake screaming as he plummeted into the abyss. You'll never defeat me! I'll never stop! The snake's voice trailed off. Shem ran to Max. The little dog lay there shivering, gasping for breath. Shem picked him up in his arms and held him close to his chest, rocking Max back and forth. Oh, you brave, wonderful creature. You gave your life to save mine. The animals hung their heads as they watched the scene before them. Max was indeed the bravest heart of them all. A shadow flew overhead, and behind the animals was a commotion. Kate was making her way through the crowd as Krynan came in to land next to Shem and Max. Shem recognized the little white dog he had seen with Max. Oh, these were the only two dogs aboard. Now only one would remain. Kate ran up to Max, crying out his name as tears streamed down her face. Shem gently lay Max down on the ground so Kate could reach him. No, Max, no, not ye, not me, Max. Kate nuzzled her face into Max's chest. Max opened his eyes, struggling to see Kate as he spoke with broken words. I, me, money lass, I saved him. I did it for the Maker, to save the humans from the evil one. Kate kissed Max on his long nose. I can't go on without you. You can't do it, lass. I love you. Always. Struggled Max as his eyes closed. His breathing was getting almost impossible now. Max's body shook as the venom overtook him. Suddenly, his eyes opened wide. Kate, I see him. I see Gilliman. He's calling me. I have to get to him, stuttered Max as his eyes closed and he heaved a heavy breath. Silently then, Max was gone. This was more than Kate could bear. She fell over Max, melting into his lifeless body, weeping and groaning. Tears rolled down Shem's face as he realized the sacrifice that had been made for him. 
there could be no greater love. Shem gently held the two small dogs in his strong arms as the other animals gathered in close around them, weeping. Chapter 66 The Promise Never had any of the creatures known such sadness, and on today of all days. Questions rippled through their minds. They had endured forty days and forty nights of rain. The flood had kept them cooped up inside the ark for a year. All that was now behind them. Hadn't they struggled enough? Wasn't this supposed to be the day of deliverance? Today was to be a glorious, happy day. But now this day turned horribly tragic. Couldn't the Maker have prevented this? The ground began to vibrate. Shem and the animals looked up to see Duke the elephant walking toward them. In his trunk, he gently carried Liz. Al, Crinan, and Bethu were riding on top of Duke's back, followed by the polar bears. The gulls were trying unsuccessfully to comfort Al. When they reached Shem, Al looked down to see Max lying still in Shem's arms, Kate weeping next to him. No, no, no! This can't be happening! yelled Al as he slid down Duke's side and rushed over to her. Al, we've lost them! We've lost them both! Kate cried into Al's fur. Oh, Kate, me heart is broken. I see no way I can go on without them. The pain is too great. Now I wish I'd never left Ireland, cried Al, his grief speaking. Shem stood up and walked over to Duke. Not the sweet black cat also, he thought. Shem lifted Liz from Duke's trunk and held her close to his chest. Her petite, lifeless form filled him with more sadness. Oh, God, both these creatures are lost. And on this happy day of new beginnings, how could anything be good in this new world if it starts like this, with the death of such innocent ones? Shem cried out. Shem looked at the big orange cat and the little white dog. Their mates were dead, and they were grieving, or so it seemed. The other animals gathered there also appeared to be distressed, for no one moved or made a sound. Shem had to tell his family what had happened. Carrying Liz, Shem walked over to where Max lay. I'm sorry, little one. May I? He asked Kate, not knowing whether she understood him or not, as he softly gathered Max into his arms next to Liz. Kate and Al moved aside. Shem stood up, holding the two fallen creatures, and began walking back to the ark. Duke lifted Kate and Al onto his back with his sturdy trunk. He and all the animals followed respectfully behind. Noah and Japheth stood at the entrance ramp of the ark, surveying the animal passengers they had carried for so long. They marveled at what God had done through them. People said I was crazy for building this ark. They used to walk by and mock me. And son, I know how hard it was for you and your brothers. For a hundred years we built this ark. It seemed such a long time to see a purpose behind it. So much ridicule and uncertainty to endure, said Noah, shaking his head sadly as he remembered those he tried to convince of God's coming judgment. Now I see. I understand why God instructed me as he did. Our family is safe, and all of God's creation is safe. Safe to start God's world all over again, said Noah, as he smiled and gently patted Japheth on the back. Yes, Father, you were wise to heed God's call. 
although it appeared to be foolish and totally impossible, you obeyed. And your obedience saved our lives and theirs, said Japheth, pointing out over the thousands of animals. Noah's face was kind and full of wrinkles. His long white hair and beard blew in the breeze as he spoke. A pair of hummingbirds buzzed around his head as if to say goodbye, and he grinned and playfully reached out to touch them. God is faithful. He does what he says. His word is true. His wisdom unmatched, and his power unbeatable. There is no other God. And I am humbled that he would choose me to accomplish such a thing. We will offer him praise and thanksgiving, said Noah. Ham was down below, preparing the altar as Noah had instructed. A sweet fragrance drifted up to heaven. Suddenly Ham called to Noah and Japheth, Hurry, father, brother, come quickly! Noah and Japheth saw Shem walking back up toward the ark, surrounded by a sea of animals following along. The elephant walked slowly behind, carrying animals on his back. What is this? Noah asked out loud as he began walking down the exit ramp of the ark. Rudy and Rosie shrugged their tiny shoulders and frowned as they flew along with Noah and Japheth. Japheth walked close behind Noah. Shem is carrying two creatures, father. Nala and the other wives ran over to Shem to see what had happened. They put their hands to their mouths as they spoke to Shem, clearly disturbed by what they heard. All eyes turned to Noah as he approached the group. Father, the snake. It came up behind me and was getting ready to strike when the little dog came running up and fiercely fought with it. He was brave and put up a hard fight, but the snake killed him. I struck the snake with a reed and threw it off the side of the mountain. And the little black cat, I didn't see what happened, but she too is dead from a snake bite. Shem spilled out. Noah walked over and placed his weathered hands on the two small creatures in Shem's arms. He closed his eyes as sadness poured into his being. Will this evil never cease? Oh, God of Adam, have you brought us so far only to have us destroyed again? On this voyage, not one creature was lost, and now upon our landing, death strikes as soon as we tread the earth, cried Noah as he looked up into heaven. The humans gathered around Shem, a feeling of despair and vulnerability engulfing them. The ark had been a safe haven from death and destruction. They were saved from the horror of the flood and the death that swept away all the humans and creation on earth. They were preserved to start this world over again, weren't they? But death had struck them upon landing. They had escaped evil for a time, but evil was not washed away and drowned with the flood. It was very much alive. A rumble of thunder permeated the heavens. All creatures great and small looked skyward. Two white puffy clouds quickly emerged, and fire burst from the center, burning brilliantly and lighting the sky with majesty. The fire cloud! whispered Bethu. She looked at Kate, who echoed her remark with a nod. Kate was weak with grief. She felt as if she would die from heartache. Noah studied the fire cloud and realized it was the presence of God hovering above them. His family gathered in close around him, gazing in awe at the power coming from the cloud, feeling overwhelmed by God's holiness. They all knelt in reverence. Not a creature moved. Not a human spoke. They looked and they waited. 
there was a rumble of thunder, and out of the thunder came the voice of God. Noah, my trusted servant, you have done well. You followed my call and did as I instructed. You obeyed me when others turned away. Because of your obedience, I have saved you and your family. Kate looked up, her heart beating fast as she heard the voice of the Maker. She turned to Bethu, somehow energized by the voice. Bethu, we were right. The Maker is in the fire cloud. Aye, dearie, we were right. It's the Maker himself, Bethu replied. Noah bowed his head in humility as God continued. Because of your obedience and the obedience of the creatures I called to come to me, their lives also have been spared. These pairs of creatures will go forward and repopulate my world with even greater numbers than before. Shem looked at Max and Liz, and then over to Kate and Al, who would never know the joy of puppies and kittens. His heart was saddened to think these wonderful creatures would no longer roam the earth as God intended. As if hearing Shem's thoughts, God turned his attention to Max and Liz. Don't grieve these two. Things aren't always what they seem. Al and Kate looked at each other, wondering what the Maker meant, their hearts pounding in their ears. God continued, Just as I called you, Noah, to complete a specific mission, so too I called these two creatures, a small black dog and a petite black cat, unlikely choices to complete something great for me. They were given challenges too great for them to do alone. Just as with you, I gave them wisdom, courage, and answers to their many questions as they obediently heeded my call. I provided them with encouragers to keep them going when they wanted to give up. And I gave them mates to provide love and companionship deep in their hearts. Kate and Al felt warmth pour into their broken hearts as they heard God speak of them. These two creatures faithfully followed me. Not perfectly, of course, but none of my creation is perfect since the fall in the garden. But despite their mistakes, these two creatures accomplished the mission I gave them. They gave all they had, themselves, for me. Kate and Al sat speechless, overwhelmed with the gravity of what the Maker had done through Max and Liz. Their mates were called by him to do something important, and the Maker acknowledged their sacrifice and their job well done. Yes, evil is still here on earth, and death will come to all creatures as a result. But I remain in control of this world, even when it appears otherwise. These two creatures were sent to protect the humans from the evil one. I knew he would attempt to strike them as he once did in the garden. Nothing catches me by surprise. I know the things that will happen, good and bad, long before they ever do. Sometimes it appears that evil has won, but never be fooled by appearances. Remember that I am the one in control. Is anything too hard for me? Noah looked up at the heavens and answered in his heart, No, my Lord, nothing. Because of their bravery, their obedience, and their willingness to do my will despite the cost, I now return to these two creatures in abundance what was lost to them. Shem, lay the reed on them. Shem jumped as his name echoed through the mountains. Heat radiated throughout his body as a light shot down his arm and through the reed. 
It was a force of energy greater than his being. He could not hold on to Max and Liz. He gently laid them on the ground, placing the reed on top of them. Max, Liz, breathe once more. Kate and Al were standing close, hearts aching with the hope of life again for their beloved mates. Krynan, Bethu, Rudy, Rosie, and all the other creatures leaned in close to see what was happening. Max's feet began to twitch, as they always did when he dreamed. His chest expanded as he took a deep breath. A smile grew on his face, and he slowly opened his eyes to see thousands of other eyes staring back at him. What in the name of Peter are you looking at? Can you give me some room? said a very lively Max. Liz, too, rolled over and stood up, arching her back before stretching out long and yawning. Oh, may we? What is all this fuss? Hooray! exclaimed all the human and animal voices in one chorus. Max and Liz were alive. The Maker brought them back to life. It was a miracle. God of heaven be praised, exclaimed Noah along with his family. Kate and Al rushed over to Max and Liz, embracing them with love and giving gratitude to the Maker. Kate licked Max's face. Oh, me love, ye were gone, gone, but now you're here, alive with me. Ay, me bonny lass, I'm never leaving you again, said Max. Liz, oh, me pretty Liz, I can't believe me eyes. Me precious beauty is alive, said Al, as he wrapped his paws around Liz's small frame, enveloping her in his big orange fur. Oui, je t'aime, Albert replied Liz, purring as she rubbed her head on Al's chin. The celebration was quickly quieted as God spoke again from the fire cloud. Noah, it is obvious to me that as you humans begin to populate this earth once more, you will need help. I now give you the gift of pets. These are to be guardians at your side as you go through life. With time, dogs and cats will become part of your families. They will bring comfort and care, and they will bring my love into your homes. Treat them well. They are a gift from me. Shem looked at Max, grinning as Max caught his glance and seemed to smile back. God continued, And now, be vigilant. Know that evil is still here, and evil will be on the attack again and again. It will never cease until I put an end to it once and for all. You have witnessed this day a resurrection. I tell you a greater resurrection is coming still. For now, I give you a promise. May you know that never again will I destroy the earth with a flood. This is my promise. As a reminder, I give you a sign that will forever seal this promise I have made to you and all of creation. I give you the rainbow. All eyes were turned to the heavens as the fire cloud began swirling in the sky. It was spectacular. The fire shot out in a burst of color that spilled across the sky, an arch of the full spectrum of color, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple stripes spread from one horizon to the other. It was beautiful, majestic, and illuminating. The eight humans danced and sang to the awesome wonder of God's promise. The creatures joined in, 
using the noises God had given them to offer praise to the Maker. O beautiful heaven, God is the one, the one true God. May you ever be praised by your creation. You alone are God. You alone are good. The world will know of your greatness because of what you have done. While the celebration roared with life, all heard a gentle rumble of thunder. Except for Max and Liz, they didn't hear thunder. They heard the Maker's voice. Max and Liz, this is for you alone to hear. Max and Liz kept their gaze upward to the rainbow, like everyone else. But they were listening to the Maker. Max and Liz, because of your sacrifice and your supreme bravery and intelligence, I have now made you immortal. You will be my special envoys for missions in pivotal points in human time. You will never die, but will go through time on earth until a new heaven and a new earth are made. You've proved yourselves worthy and up to the challenge. Your mates also have proved themselves worthy, and so I give to them life eternal as well. Do you accept this assignment? The two friends looked at each other, locking tails to shake in agreement. They and their mates were partners for life, forever. Aye, Maker, count us in then, said Max. Oui, monsieur. We are at your service. What are we to do next? asked Liz. For now, be fruitful and multiply. Enjoy starting your families. There's a world out there to populate with dogs and cats. Teach your offspring to take care of humans. Teach them how to pick up on human emotions. Teach them how to know when humans are hurting. Teach them to play with humans and to protect them. Enjoy life. When it's time, I'll let you know. Uh, how? asked Liz. I'll send a messenger, one that you, Max, already know quite well, replied God. Gilliman! exclaimed Max. <laughs> Aye, laddie, chuckled God. Gilliman it is. With that, the voice was silent once more. Max and Liz were beaming, happy that the Maker had given them so much. Life eternal and life forever as dear friends. Life with the Maker would ever be a grand adventure. So, Max, do you believe me now? teased Liz. Aye, lass. Ye be the smart one, tis true, but I be the brave one. Ye make the plans, and I'll listen to ye and carry them out like a good laddie, replied Max. Oui, mon ami, but remember, the Maker is the one with the revelations, plans, and the courage. He just gives to us all that we need, said Liz. Aye. I'll not be forgetting it either. We make a grand team, lass. Where do you suppose we'll go next? Asked Max. Oh, the maker will tell us. But for now, I just want to settle down with Albel and have a family of smart, beautiful kittens, answered Liz. Aye, be fruitful and multiply is our mission now. Me and Kate will love having puppies. I already know what I'm naming the first boy, said Max. Uh, Gilliman, no? said Liz. Right, lass, replied Max with his big wide grin. Ah, oh, Max, I'm glad I learned to have faith by being friends with you. I look forward to the next, uh, how you say, grand adventure? asked Liz. Oh, little lass, hopefully you'll have time to work on yours before it comes, teased Max. Kate and Al walked over to Max and Liz, who were still gazing skyward. 
Isn't the rainbow amazing, Max? declared Kate. Aye, lass, amazing indeed, he replied, putting his arm around Kate. You didn't seem to be afraid of that thunder just now, said Al, handing Liz her seed sack. Thunder, replied Max. We oui, thunder, that all the creatures heard just now, Max, said Liz with a wink. Oh, I thunder. Uh, maybe I'm cured, replied Max, picking up his reed. Max and Liz grinned. Max and Kate, Al and Liz joined the sea of creatures now headed down the mountain. No longer was there anything to keep them here. All the creatures now moved with excitement, ready to journey to the ends of the earth and begin again. Oh, that was beautiful, although I think I got a wee something in me eye. Yeah, I know. It seems to be going around, huh? Here, Max. Have a tissue. Uh, thank you, Liz. Uh, uh, Liz, you're back then. We oui, uh, that keeps happening, no? <laughs> and I brought a couple of friends with me. Hello, me brave Scotty dog. Oh, <laughs> me bonny lass kid. Oh, I'm so glad to see you, lassie. Oh, uh, so glad. Uh, need another tissue, Max? Uh, don't be a wise guy. And I be here too, lad. Ah, big Al! <laughs> Aye, you're a sight for sore eyes, you are. Aye, and your eyes be looking a wee bit sore. They're all red and watery looking. It's just me allergies. Ah, sure, and that's probably it. Allergies. Wink, wink. Oh, mon cher Al, it is so good to see you. Oh, lass, I've missed you too. And I have three wee little words for you. Oh, <laughs> what might those be? Liz? Mm -hmm. What's for supper? Oh. <laughs> Same old Al, <laughs> but enough blabbering then. As always, we need to check in with Miss Ginny. Uh, we. Oui. It is time for our special closing edition of Ginny's Corner. Uh, Miss Ginny, we made it. C'est magnifique. Well, Max, Kate, Liz, and Al, it has been a grand adventure, hasn't it? We've had a good time, haven't we? <laughs> Aye, Miss Jenny. So we think it'd be only appropriate for you to leave us with some closing thoughts, then. Uh, oui, madame. So, as the author of this incredible story, uh, what is your heart's desire for your readers, or in this case, your listeners, uh, to take away from this? Well, Liz... I really hope that the listeners who have tuned in to this podcast have had a fun, a great time. I hope they've learned a lot, and I hope they've gotten a new perspective on Noah's Ark and how to imagine other Bible stories. You know, at the beginning of all of my books, I say that this is a fictional account based on truth, and my goal always is to have my readers and listeners go back to the original source. So I hope that you'll crack open Genesis and read the account of Noah's Ark in your Bible and maybe see it differently than you ever have before. And I also hope that this first audio podcast for The Art, the Read, and the Fire Cloud has gotten you excited and fired up for either reading the next book or tuning in to the next podcast, which is going to be a revolutionary ride. Well, now there's a hint. Does that cover it, Jenny? Well, there's one thing that still hasn't been completed in the story. You know, we still haven't heard the epilogue that closes out the book. Well, that's because we want to play it next week at the reunion show. <laughs> Aye, me and Liz and announcer lad were thinking, this story ends so happy and wonderful, it would be a shame not to have a party then. We oui, and bring back all the animals that shared our adventure on the ark. Right, so we're doing one more episode. A reunion party. And we'll be including the epilogue as part of the party. And so everyone listening is invited. Oh, I love it. And ooh, oh, I just got an idea for the party. Ah, great. What are you thinking, Miss Ginny? Well, I was thinking... No, on second thought, I think I want to keep it a secret. Uh, but of course, 
Audiences love surprises, uh, but we can talk about this Actually, lady. I uh, meant keep it a secret from you guys. Uh, but we're the hosts. We got to know what's going on then. Oh, don't worry. I'll tell Monsieur Announcer Lad what I have in mind. Uh, Monsieur Announcer? And not us? Because you know, Miss Ginny, Announcer Lad, well, he had the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree then. I'll take my chances, Max. Well, okay then. Uh, Lad... You want to rip things up then? Oh, you bet. So, as you heard, we've got lots of surprises in store for next week's Ark Stravaganza. Special guest animals from the Ark will return, plus we'll hear inside scoops on some of those scenes, clips from previous episodes, music, and, oh, hey, a big announcement, details on what's in store for Season 2 of the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, including new characters, both animal and human. So with that, Jenny? Join us next time for the Ark Extravaganza, the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud reunion show. You don't want to miss it. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. Have a grand day!